Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Well, if things aren't quite going to plan for you, just let me tell you what I managed to achieve today. I burnt peas. Yes, I was cooking peas. There was lots of work. And then when I checked back in on the progress of the peas, most of them were black and a few of them were left. And I offered them to a child who spurned them, who actually was willing to eat more broccoli (laughs) and forego the uh, offering of the burnt peas. So there we are. Oh, now I've had lots of messages from you saying you've heard that I'm stepped down from co-hosting the other podcast and you're worried that this book podcast is going to stop. Let me tell you, no, 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 no. This book podcast is my baby and you're st- you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere for this. Uh, but let me move straight on to the books because we've got five absolute corkers. We've got the wonderful Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. We're going to talk to Dolan today. We've got the amazing book Little Sister by Geetha Lodge. We've got The Swimmer by Graham Norton. That's part of the Quick Read series. That's wonderful as well. We've got Cold Reckoning by Russ Thomas. That's wonderful. There's a theme here, isn't, isn't there? And The Midnight House by Amanda Geard. And that's wonderful as well. So five crackers, not a dud this week at all. I know you do like me to sort of roast a book sometimes, but there's none to roast. We're just that these are not burnt peas. These are gorgeous. Um, I'm trying to think of what I would like to eat most at the moment. These are the sticky toffee puddings with extra toffee sauce and a massive dollop of cream. And a, and a huge portion, not one of those little squitty puddings, massive portion, one that you eat. And at the end of that, you're like, yeah, that was good. That's what these books are. Anyway, enough about that. I better get started, hadn't I? So the first book, let me pick it up. Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. This book, let me tell you. OK, here's the blurb. Inspired by true events and a landmark case in American history, Take My Hand is the profoundly moving novel about a young black nurse who makes a shocking discovery about two girls in her care. 
Montgomery, Alabama, 1973. Fresh out of nursing school, Sybil Townsend has big plans to make a difference, especially in her African-American community. At Montgomery Family Planning Clinic, she intends to help women make their own choices for their lives and bodies. But on her first week on the job, she's surprised to find that her new patients are children just 11 and 13 years old. Neither of the Williams sisters has even kissed a boy, but they're poor and black and to the system. That's reason enough to have the girls on birth control. As Civil grapples with her new responsibilities, she takes India, Erica and their family into her heart until one day she arrives at their door to discover the unthinkable has happened and nothing will ever be the same. Right, let's do first sentence, shall we? Chapter one. A year never passes without me thinking of them. India, Erica, their names are stitched inside every white coat I've ever worn. I tell this story to stitch their names inside your clothes too. Wow. I mean, I knew as soon as I started reading it. Actually, I felt even before I started reading it that it was going to be a powerful book. But I had no idea quite how powerful it would be. Um, It's a book that just sweeps you up and makes you feel angry, sad. Oh, just it's just a book to make you want to go out and change the world. It's in many respects, it reminded me to begin with of a good Jodie Pickle book. But then it just it became its own story after that. And it was just so compelling. One just to make you sort of stop and think. And I'd really urge you. Oh, and if you are part of a book club, I think this would be a good one to do because there'll be a lot of discussions coming on the back of it. It's not one where you just say, oh, that was nice and then carry on. Not that I don't. Not that I think many book clubs just say that, but do you know what I mean? It's got some substance. It's got some talking points. You're not going to be there thinking, oh, I don't know what to say about this book. Uh, Phenomenal. But... Enough about me. Let's talk to Dolan now. Dolan Perkins Valdez, author of the amazing Take My Hand. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Very glad to be talking to you. To start with, can you just explain what sort of compelled you to write this book and write it now? I've been working on it for seven years. So I can't really say that I timed it with anything that was happening in the bigger culture. But um, I wrote the book because I had this curiosity about these young sisters. You know, the book is loosely inspired by this real story of these two young girls, Minnie Lee and Mary Alice Ralph, who were sterilized without their family's consent when they were 12 and 14 years old. I knew about that story. I'd heard about that story, but I never really thought of writing a book about it. I actually uh, thought maybe a book had already been written. And then one day I was following my curiosity and I looked in a newspaper and in the newspaper, it said that the head nurse who was originally sued by the clinic had made the statement that it must have been okay to sterilize the girls because all eight nurses who worked at the clinic were black. And I said, what? Wait a minute. What was that? You know, it surprised me. And so that was really when the book was born. I began to think, what would it have been like to be a nurse, a black nurse working at that clinic and have something like this happen under your watch? Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's almost unbelievable. You know, if if it hadn't been rooted in fact, then 
you would think this is a, the most extraordinary story. But I'm interested, how do you go about creating fiction from fact? Well, one thing I have to do is I have to step away from the newspapers. <laughs> um, I have to start to use my imagination because I'm not writing nonfiction. I'm writing fiction. Mm. And so the question is, why write it as fiction rather than nonfiction? Well, one of the reasons I write fiction is because often in the research, there are silences. So, for example, I never found anything about those actual nurses. And I was curious about them. I still, to this day, I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. So I began to think that, you know, maybe this was a novel, and I begin, first of all, to sort of step away from the newspaper so that I can enter the world of my imagination. And then I begin to start asking a series of what if questions. Um, so, for example, the actual lawsuit that was filed on behalf of the girls was filed in Alabama at first, but eventually was taken to Washington, D.C. Mm. against the highest levels of federal government. But I thought it was important in my story for that trial to happen in Alabama, in Montgomery, mm. in the federal court there. So I change things so that it works in my story. And there are other things, of course, that I don't know about the actual sisters because I, I never interviewed them. So I make a lot up in terms of the family. So part of it is just making a series of decisions about what you're going to include from the real life story and what you're going to imagine. And since the, the book has come out, have you had people giving you more information on what what actually happened and the, and the people involved? Not yet, but my first book event is this Friday in Montgomery, Alabama, and I will be appearing with the lawyer, the actual lawyer who argued the case, um, who I interviewed for the book, but still, you know, who knows who will end up at that event. I have found that it takes a little while for people to sort of learn about the book and come out and tell you some stories from that era as the book circulates. With my first book, it was, you know, the book had been out two years and I was still hearing from people about what their experiences were. So I fully expect at some point to hear from someone who worked at that clinic, but I haven't yet. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's going to be an amazing event. I, uh, I hope it's, yeah, really um, interesting. I'm sure it will be. Did the story, once you'd got the pieces in place of how it would start, did then the story sort of come to you as a complete picture or did you have to do quite a bit of planning and, and working on it? Well, I will say my main character, Sybil Townsend, who is the nurse who is in charge of the girls, came to me fully formed. I say, Sometimes she was right there in my ear telling me what to write. She was saying, this is what happened. This is what we're, this is what I want you to write. This is how I felt. I felt like she came to me fully formed and I could not keep up with her. The rest of the book, the rest of the characters, I had to work a lot harder. So I had to work really hard, for example, on the girl's father, Mace, to really understand who he was and to give him dignity. I had to work the girl's grandmother, who's a character in my book. The other thing that took me forever, I felt really insecure about the trial and the court case because I'm not a lawyer. And mm -hmm. I would ask my friends, 
um, for advice on how to do it. And they would make jokes like, just watch TV, just watch Law and Order, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I really uh, and I never found the actual court transcript, which is good. You know, you asked me about like moving from real story to fiction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really helpful when you can't find the actual records because then it forces you to use your imagination. So this is before court transcripts were digitized. So I couldn't find it. I just I looked everywhere. I looked in the National Archives. I couldn't find it. So I needed to learn a little bit about just procedure in the courtroom, et cetera. Now, originally in my early manuscript, I had two or three more chapters and in the editing process, they got cut. We, we just, you know, we took it down to the whole court case happens in three chapters because we thought that was enough mm-hmm. for the readers. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to bore my readers with all of my like civil procedural rules <laughs> that I found. Um, so all of that work, it took me like a year of working on the court case, got boiled down to three oh, chapters. My goodness. Those are some important three chapters. You bear the scars of, of those. Did They are. Actually, they are really important. But, you know, people don't know how much work we do. And then to have it end up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yes. What you what you went through for that. But did the characters stay with you after you finished? I would say that Sybil, I feel like Sybil is one of those characters who will always stay with me. My main characters always have a lot of me in them. And she's no exception. I feel very much her desire to want to do good. I feel very much her youthful naivete. I feel very much her class dissonance with the family. She comes from a middle-class family. I come from a middle-class family. And she begins to learn about this other family that lives really in abject poverty. And it's a, it's a wake-up call for her. Right. And I've had those wake up calls in my life. And it's something that I I want for my own children, that they don't feel so, um, so clueless about how people live who live differently than they do. But in some ways, at the beginning of the book, Sybil is a little clueless and she has to learn as the book goes on. She has to, first of all, learn how to listen. She has to learn that she doesn't have all the answers. She has to learn that authority uh, is a dangerous drug and a dangerous power. It can be. So um, I, I think she will definitely stay with me. And I also think the girls in the book, even though they're not really at the they're at, they're not at the center in terms of there's no point of view chapters with them and you know the book is not really about them per se in terms of them being main characters but I do feel that those girls will stay with me because they're just children and that was really important to me to emphasize my girls in my book are 11 and 13 whereas the real Ralph sisters were 12 and 14 I made my girls younger because I wanted to emphasize their youth and their vulnerability. So I think those girls will stay with me. And for me, yes, obviously it's a story about poverty, about racism, but it's also about about hope, about strength of character and about what an individual can achieve. Is that something that you wanted to do? Yes. I mean, one of the things we learn from Sybil's experience is that our mistakes do not define us. And she makes these mistakes, but 
she spends a lifetime atoning for them. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit, she's a little bit hard on herself, but at the same time, um, the reader realizes that she was the one who went and, you know, got the lawyer and she was the one who really was the energy behind this major court case against the federal government that probably saved more children from being sterilized without their consent. So even though she's made this terrible mistake, she's also done a great deal to right this injustice. And I hope that one of the things that readers get out of it is that we, one person, one voice can make a difference, that even when we make a mistake, we can right that mistake, that we're not defined by that, and the third thing is, I think, you know, I hope that readers see that you don't have to spend the rest of your like You can miss out on a lot of life feeling guilty about something. And that's, you know, part of what happens with civil. And I hope that the reader can sort of stand outside that and say, you know, civil, you know, you actually did a good job here. You know, it's OK to sort of move on. Um, but it takes her a long time to figure that out. And tell me about the title. Where did that come from who, who how did that idea come about well that the title was my publicist's idea we were really struggling to figure out a title I'm not very good at titling books <laughs> my first two books had one word titles wench and balm and so I, you can see that I'm very uh well can't we just do one word but I had with this book new publisher and we batted around a lot of ideas and finally my publicist my U.S. publicist, Craig Burke, um, said, well, why don't we name it Take My Hand after the famous gospel song, uh, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And I really like mm -hmm. that because it really speaks to this moment. Mm -hmm. Precious Lord, Take My Hand was written by a songwriter by the name of Thomas Dorsey on the occasion of his wife's death. But it became famous when the great gospel singer Mahalia Jackson sang it. It was reportedly the favorite song of Martin Luther King Jr. And his reported last words, as you see in the epigraph, are to the mu musician, Ben, make sure you play Precious Lord, Take My Hand in the Meeting Tonight. And also it was made famous during this time by Aretha Franklin's rendition of it. So I thought, you know, this song really captures this post-civil rights moment. It captures the faith that people had in feeling that they had gained some rights after the passing of the Civil Rights Act in the late 1960s. And so I, I loved the faith of the song. And, and my book is really, even though you have this sort of tragic moment, it is a book about faith. And we see that uh, the Williams family even with this tragic thing that happens, somehow manages to keep their faith. Just talking to you makes me want to go and read it all over again. <laughs> um, where do you write? Can you write anywhere or do you have a very special writing place? Well, it depends. Uh, I do have two kids and so usually I'm running away from them when I'm trying to write. Um, I have done, <laughs> I have written in different places. I prefer quiet, so I don't really like coffee shops. Um, I prefer libraries. So before the pandemic, I was in the library a lot. Then um, 
during the pandemic, I turned right now I'm in a little corner in my bedroom in my house. I turned this little corner into uh, my writing space. I learned to write with music during the pandemic because it was the only way to get to block out the noise of the house. So I would put my headphones on. I would have to listen to classical music or something without words, though. Um, And so... And nothing too demanding on my ear, right? Uh, no, you know, very, very soft classical or very, very soft jazz. So I've also uh, written a lot longhand over the years. Um, I have lots and lots of notebooks that I've written longhand in. One year uh, while working on my first book, I had a one hour commute to work and I used the voice memo on my phone to just make notes while I was in traffic. (laughs) That's multitasking. That's impressive. Yes. (laughs) But I haven't done that in years, but that I did when I had that commute, I did try to make use of it because I was just basically in traffic the whole time. And do you write with intensity? Do you write and um, you just keep going until the words dry up? Or are you a sort of a thousand words a day person? Where are you? I I would say I write with intensity because I don't know when I'm going to have time again. If I didn't have small kids, I probably would do something more measured. I would have a schedule and I would write a thousand words a day and then I would break for lunch and then I, you know, I would do that. But because I have kids and I can be interrupted at any time, uh, and if I have a block of time, whether it's an hour or two hours or three hours, I have to use it. And I write mm. as much as I can until I'm interrupted. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. What does writing mean to you? You know, um, I think about this book, this third book, as my love letter to little black girls everywhere, because... I see them and I love them and I want the best for them and I want the best future for little girls everywhere. So when I write, I'm often thinking about the next generation. Am I leaving behind? Or and who knows if my book will even still be in print when I'm gone. But, um, you know, I think about sort of leaving behind something for the next generation. I think of my stories as excavations of history as recovery stories. So I go into the historical archive and I pull out something that I think people need to know about and I recover it, right? And then I tell it. This story, for example, the thing that really struck me about it, a lot of people always ask me, what's the most surprising thing I learned when I was researching? Really, the most surprising thing is that this story was in every major newspaper in the United States at the time, the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Washington Post. It was a major national story. It was a major court case. It went all the way to the Nixon White House. It was big national news, but yet people don't know about it. We know about other things that happened, like the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, And other things, particularly those things that happen to men, but we don't know sometimes what happened to women. And for that reason, I think we still have these forced sterilizations because we aren't talking about the tens of thousands of women who were forcibly sterilized at this time in history. So for me, writing is about recovering those histories. It's about letting people know the most important gift that any 
person can give me is the gift of readership, right? I don't need awards. I don't need uh, a special sticker on my book. <laughs> you know, I don't need any of that. The, the, the best gift for me that motivates me is the gift of readership. Someone, and even if they didn't like the book, the fact that they took time, if someone, you know, reads my book and gives me one star, I'm grateful for that one star because you took the time out to read it and have an opinion, you know? And so to me, that's like the best gift anybody, although I prefer five stars to anybody listening, just to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not advertising for one star reviews here. That's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, no, I do prefer five stars. Um, But if you've read the book and you have an opinion about it, I, I am grateful. My last question, what do you wish someone had told you about writing from the start? What do I wish someone had told me? I wish someone had told me how hard it is. You know, I have been at this thing now for 20 years and it does not really get easier. The only thing that gets easier is my discipline. I know how to get a book written. But the writing itself, every time I start something new, I feel like I'm uh, a beginner all over again. It doesn't really get, it's very challenging to write a book. It's very, it can be very frustrating. Some days you feel good about it and the next days you want to throw your pages in the trash. So I wish someone had said to me, okay, you want to do this thing, but you're only going to publish a certain number of books, a very small number throughout your life. And all those books are going to be really, really hard. And then you'll have maybe one year of connecting with readers and promoting the book. And then you're going to be back in your room by yourself again, struggling again. Like, I wish somebody had sort of told me that. I probably still would have done it, but I wouldn't have had any fantasies about what a writing life looks like. But I love, I love the struggle. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it. Um, but it, it's hard. Well, we're glad you persisted. We really, thank we really you. are. Dolan Perkins Valdez, author of Take My Hand. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Philippa. I appreciate it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And the next book I want to talk to you about is part of the Quick Read series, The Swimmer by Graham Norton. If you remember, the Quick Read series are much condensed, but averaging about 100 pages. This one's less than that. I think this is, was this about 80? Yeah, 80 pages. And they're done to encourage people back into reading. But also, I think they're great if, if it's done by an author that you haven't read their books before, like Kate Moss's um, the, last week that's really good or the week before I did that you know ones that I'm, I haven't read that author before and it really lit a fire for me and I'm now going to see Kate Moss at the Hay Festival and follow her like a stalker for the rest of her life obviously I've read Graham Norton's books but you may not have and you may wonder what his writing style like this is a lovely read a lovely as in gosh it's a good read here's the blurb Helen is a retired teacher living on the Irish coast. She enjoys the peace and quiet, despite the burden of Margaret, her unpleasant sister. Margaret arrived three years ago for a short holiday, but somehow managed to stay and worm her way into Helen's life. One day Helen sees a man struggling in the sea and decides to investigate. She doesn't know what it is, but something about it feels very strange. Let's do first sentence, chapter one. She had bought the old farmhouse because of the small patch of grass across the road. Helen called it her sea garden. It sloped down to the rocks and the cold ocean and was surrounded by tall pine trees that looked older than the house. I love this one. Yes, 80 pages. It is a very quick read, but there is nothing wrong with that. It's got a full story in. It's got characters that you like and characters that you loathe and... I thought I thought it was excellent. I mean, every time Graham writes a book, they just seem to get better and better. And his first book was great. So, you know, what, there's no stopping this person. But yeah, I just thought that was excellent. Another great read. But now let's come on to our five in five feature. And this week it is Geetha Lodge. Now, Geetha writes this really compelling series that I, I really enjoy. If you like crime, crime thrillers, if you just like good books that sort of grip you, then I think that you would love these. Yes, they're part of a series, the Jonah Sheen series, but you don't have to have read the previous ones. Don't worry about that. Just enjoy yourself enjoy yourself with this book because it's a gripping one. Here's the blurb. When Detective Jonah Sheens tries to help, the girl insists she's fine. Then she smiles. It's her sister he needs to worry about. Keely and her sister Nina disappeared from a children's home a week ago. Now Keely is here but Nina's still missing. Jonah is sure Keely knows where her sister is but before she tells him anything... She insists he's going to have to listen to her story from the beginning. Is she a killer, witness or victim? If Jonah follows the trail of clues in her story, will they lead him to the missing girl or distract him until it's too late? Uh, now, do I read the prologue or chapter one? I'm going to read chapter one. Juliet Hansen was already in the station when the DCI called. She felt caught out. 
being found there late on a sunny Sunday afternoon. The chief knew perfectly well that there were no pressing cases on their books, nothing that required overtime. Well, apart from saying it's really good, it's just one of those gripping books. And if you want it as a series, welcome to a joyful series. And if you just want it as a standalone, welcome to. But let's talk to Geetha now. So Geetha Lodge, whose latest wonderful book is called Little Sister, welcome to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Hello, it's so nice to be back. <laughs> yes, back again. Last time you were one of three and now you're, you're on your own flying high. Um, so you're here for the five in five, which is this um, new feature. We'll see how it goes. So your first question, can you summarise your book in 30 seconds? So uh, Jonah Sheens, my detective, is having a quiet pint in a country pub when a 16 year old girl emerges from the woods she's covered in blood she's calm and she's collected and when he asks her if she needs any help she says she's fine but her little sister might not be and then she won't tell him where her little sister is until she's listened to everything she has to say which turns out to be quite a lot of complex game playing fabulous now in the second question who is your favorite character in the book and why it can't be your main character yes that's an interesting one because i i don't really have a i don't really have a specific main character i think in this one because jonah is of course the main detective i suppose keely is the main yeah. other character so i so if I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick someone different i probably have to pick uh nina her younger sister who is missing um, but we see in lots of flashbacks through the story that Keely is telling. Um, and Nina basically is, um, she's, the, she's, she's the younger one who's sort of always, uh, well, not always, but she's generally been seen as the, sort of the nicer, sweeter one who's been sort of lucky. But actually, she has a lot of her own stuff going on and her own story to tell. And we don't see a lot of that emerge until the second half. And it's quite satisfying, I think, to give you know the, the quieter voice um, suddenly some space to breathe. Third question. Can you describe your book in three words? So this is this is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Psychopath, maybe talks <laughs> Love that. what was your favorite food and drink while you were writing this see that's book? a very easy one chocolate covered brazil nuts <laughs> and tea and tea i mean basically it's always tea it's all gray tea and it's it's black and it's always it's always there um brewed brewed strong but then with cold water in the top and then yogurt um yogurt or chocolate brazils but in this case chocolate brazils i was in a chocolate phase so uh there we go <laughs> there's nothing wrong with i'm always in a chocolate phase so that, that, that's good. I agree. and your final question what's been the best moment so far in your writing career i think probably being chosen for richard and judy book club um it's a toss-up between that and finding out i'd actually finally cracked the sunday times bestseller list um which was amazing but that happened kind of um on i was on my own in a park and i got it on an email so it was less <laughs> less good than having you know a phone call and being like woohoo and um, i think probably what was then slightly disappointing about that was i wasn't allowed to tell anybody anybody at all in the world except my mum who i was allowed to tell and i tried to tell my mum and said but you're not allowed to tell anyone basically really really big deal but you're literally allowed to tell no one and she said well we won't talk about that then now we were thinking of getting some new phones and I was like is that it (laughs) is that 
Is that the sum total of our celebration about this? Okay, so then I then had to wait for, you know, about six months to tell anybody else. And uh, and that was very annoying. But anyway, it was great. <laughs> wow, yes, you had to be very, very patient during that Oh my time. goodness, I'm not very good at patient. You know, it's like <laughs> every time I have a book and I finished it, I'm like, why isn't it out now? <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't want the yes your selection to be withdrawn so i suppose no. you have to keep quiet about it you till it do. was announced you do but, and it's, um, it's it important. really worked really helped push you forward at the time i mean i was i mean it was absolutely terrific and i think i mean i just assumed that the whole you know the whole build of the series would be a very very slow build from tiny beginnings and gradually accruing more readers and then to suddenly get this huge thing uh, mm. on the first book was amazing and i think I was very aware that I was very spoiled. Um, I talked to enough other authors to realise that, you know, that's not normally how things run and, you know, that that it's very tough to get to get real traction on a series, on a new series. And and so I felt, you know, phenomenally lucky. And um, to sort of really build a readership um, quickly off the back of that was 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 great. So, um, yeah, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And it's been wonderful talking to you. So, Geetha Lodge, until next time. Thank you. <laughs> until next time. Thank you so much. Uh, the next book I want to talk to you about is Cold Reckoning by Russ Thomas. Now, I've talked about Russ's books before. And yes, this is part of the DS Adam Tyler series. But you can just read this as a standalone as well. The, the, the beauty of this book is that you are... You're not going to feel like you've missed out. Your enjoyment of it isn't going to be diluted at all. Yes, if you've read the other ones, Fire Watching, Night Hawking, great. But don't worry about it. Honestly, this is too good a book to miss out on by just sitting there thinking, well, I better go back and read the first two. But, oh, there's other books coming out. Just just jump into Cold Reckoning. Here is the blurb of this glorious book. For 16 years, DS Adam Tyler has been searching for answers to his father, Richard's death. Convinced it wasn't suicide, he's been investigating the case in secret. One day, a body is found in a frozen lake linked to a cold case from 2002. On the surface, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the death of his father, except Tyler knows Richard was investigating the same case shortly before he died. And Tyler doesn't believe in coincidences. As he throws himself into finding out what really happened that day, Tyler uncovers a string of botched investigations, mysterious disappearances and ultimately deep-seated police corruption. There are dangerous people who don't want Tyler asking questions and the truth always comes with a price. This time, it could cost him everything. That does need one of those dirt moments, doesn't it? Okay, here we go. Here's the first sentence. Edith pushes her hands deeper into her fleece against the cold, exhales a cloud of water vapour and crunches her way down the snow-covered bank, stumbling onto the narrow path round the lake. I, I, I think I've already given you the idea that I love this book and I did love this book very much. I read it on a day I wasn't feeling too good. I think I was just plain old, boringly exhausted and I wanted to lie about moaning and sort of wafting a fan. I didn't get to do that, but I did get to read this book. And I'm very glad I did. Because, to be honest, I inhaled the book. Well, you can't inhale. You have to, you have to, you can't read it at too quick a pace, but it's a brilliant read. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, I feel better now. That's all good. So if you want a cure 
her for feeling exhausted. This book clearly is it, guaranteed. No, I'm joking, but um, I thought it was a great read. Bravo, Russ Thomas, bravo. And then the last book is The Midnight House by Amanda Geard and uh, another one I enjoyed. So here we go. People disappear, secrets remain. 1940. In southwest Ireland, the young and beautiful Lady Charlotte Rathmore is pronounced dead after she disappears by the dark ink lake of Blackwater Hall. In London, on the brink of the Blitz, Nancy Rathmore is grieving Charlotte's death when a letter arrives containing a shocking confidence that Nancy is sworn to keep one that will change her life forever. 1958, Nancy's daughter Hattie finds herself growing up at the mysterious Blackwater Hall, where she overhears the secrets whispered above and below stairs, secrets that she will carry with her for the rest of her life. 2019, decades later, journalist Ellie Fitzgerald leaves Dublin disgraced and heartbroken and flees to Kerry to escape a scandal. But when she discovers a faded letter tucked inside the pages of an old book from Blackwater Hall, she finds herself drawn in by a long buried mystery and she realises the letter might hold the key to more than just Lady Charlotte's disappearance. Right, first sentence. Chapter 1, September 2019. It was the contents of her mum's bookshelf that finally drove Ellie out of hiding Moira Fitzgerald's taste in literature was chalk and cheese to her daughters. Now, you might think, gosh, this book has three different time frames in it. It's got lot different characters for those different time frames. It's going to confuse me. And the book does start with a family tree. And often when I see a family tree, my heart falls because I think, oh, no, it's it's too complicated. How am I going to do I need to memorize all of these dates and all of these names? No, let me tell you, Philippa was not confused at all in the reading of this book. And I think that's, you know, um, fair dues to the author who just leads you so gently into this immersive story that you're not panicking about who people are and what's going on. At all times, it was clear to me, what the time frame was and the characters and the story. So, yes, don't be put off. Um, I thought it was lovely. It's not, it's not a saga and it's, not, it's more a mystery, but with great characters. So if you like the characters in a saga, but you like the mystery and sort of history, there's, there's something for everyone in this, I think. Um, there's a death, there's a mystery, there's family issues and it's just written in a very um enjoyable readable way so yeah oh bravo again lots of bravos the bravo awards are being handed out thick and fast this week but that's your lot now i'm gonna i'll tell you the books again and then i have a request i've got to beg basically but i need your help guys so let's just have a recap on the books first of all take my hand by dolan perkins valdez then we've had little sister by geetha lodge we've had the swimmer which of course was by graham norton cold reckoning by russ thomas and the midnight house by amanda gerd now I do have to ask a huge favour. If you access this podcast on Apple, Apple Podcasts, please could you leave me a nice review? Not just five stars, but could you leave some words as well? You don't have to leave a lot of words. It doesn't have to be a work of art. 
Um, but I'm going to thank you on this podcast because it is a bit of um, the algorithms involved with podcasts are, well, it's a whole new world. And I'd just be really grateful if you could help with that. It's not asking for financial support. It's not asking for anything like that, but just for you to give me a five stars if that's okay. Feels terribly cheeky asking and and write some nice words. That would really be a huge help. Wherever in the world you are listening to this, thank you. That would be great. Anyway, enough of me begging. You you don't want to hear that, do you? But there we go. Five glorious books. Uh, I'm sorry for your bank accounts, library cards uh, when you uh, listen to this because you're going to be wanting to acquire all of them, really. But there we are. That's it for another week. Look after yourselves. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Oh, got great books next week. Great author interview. So it just goes on and on, which is rather wonderful. Anyway, look after yourselves and I'll speak to you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.